You know how they say there are uh, alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers. We've gone on holiday by mistake. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. How can you think about food at a time like this? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Get away from her, you bitch! This is SockPod, the Sturchley Open Cinema Podcast, bringing the community together through film for Sturchley and our neighbours. Hello and welcome to the very first Sturchley Open Cinema Podcast. We're calling it SockPod due to lack of imagination. I hope that's all right with you. I'm Chris. I'm Karis. I'm James. And together we run the Sturchley Open Cinema and this podcast will hopefully be an extension of the community yeah community extension podcast sounds great (laughs) (laughs) so uh you've heard our names but some of you might be thinking who the hell are these people so what better way to introduce ourselves than through the medium of film have either of you guys ever listened to brett goldstein's films to be buried with podcast not yet I have, and I tried to reference this with my friends recently and miscalled it Films to be Buried Allied With, which gives a very different <laughs> vibe. <laughs> Horror pod. Um, so Brett Goldstein hosts a podcast called Films to be Buried With, and he invites guests on, tells them that they've died, and then gets to know them through the films that they grew up with in their lives. So should we give it a go? Let's do it. Sounds cool. Karis, what's the first film you remember going to see? So it's Beauty and the Beast. Nice. Um, I think I was about five or six. And I'll be honest, I was terrified through some scenes. <laughs> like it was generally quite like really quite scary. But um, I loved it. And I'll, I'll come out of the closet now. I'm a Disney princess. Right. Nice. Which one? All of, all of the Disney princesses. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on my, my mood of that day. <laughs> I remember being quite frightened during The Lion King. Yep. Ooh, that yeah. stampede scene yeah. and be quite scared Lion King might come up again actually oh okay yeah, yeah. There's, okay. there's a lot of trauma in Disney really like, <laughs> yeah. thinking of Bambi's mother as well that's, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. God. God I can feel myself going already <laughs> yeah. the emotions thanks for, thanks for bringing the mood down straight away James <laughs> um, can you remember the first film you went to see I no this is I've, I've already confessed this pre-recording a little bit I think it was Babe but I have a half memory that film in that I feel like I've been told this was the first film I was taken to see. So whether it truly happened or not. But yeah, I've got fond memories of watching Babe, whether it was at home or the cinema. I'm not sure. I think mine was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The scene with the boot, though, did that not traumatise you? Oh, yeah. But Mm. I was probably preoccupied with Jessica Rabbit because every young boy (laughs) was. um, Still are. It's just a bit (laughs) weird, to be honest. Um, Yeah, but I remember they used to show cartoons before the film. Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. Showing our age. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Yeah, sorry, I'm staying quiet. (laughs) (laughs) James, what's the film that you've seen the most? I think it's probably The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe any number of Christmas films, but I thought that doesn't maybe count. I don't know. I guess you just they're yeah. on repeat watch, aren't they? Every yeah, year you're going to yeah. watch a Christmas film. Yeah. Yeah. But they're definitely, I, I think that's one of the first films I remember seeing more than once at the cinema. And then, yeah, watched it loads of times. Since. Yeah, me yeah. too. Karis? Uh, Amelie. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Love it. Anytime I'm in like a slightly bad mood, just stick it on. 
a DVD when DVDs were a thing, um, and I can just rewatch it all the time. It's the colours in it and the mm. soundtrack and everything. Yeah, in fact, sound. I listen to the soundtrack quite a lot as well. Oh, it's just cool. one of those things for me. Uh, mine's not quite as sweet as Amelie. It's Goodfellas. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've seen that a lot. I think it, it used to be on the telly quite a lot, and I can't, I can't walk away from it. I can't, there's, if it's on, I'm like, oh, it's this bit. And then I just, I'm sucked in completely. But I think that's a testament to Martin Scorsese, I think. Yeah. It's such a brilliantly made film. Uh, film that makes you cry. Yeah, so I alluded to this earlier. It is Lion King. That, it is, okay. That scene where he's trying to get his dad to get, he's just like, get up. Oh, it gets oh, me yeah. every time. <laughs> Yeah. I can't watch it, I have to fast forward it. Really? Yeah, I'm a mess, even what, as an adult. What were your opinions of the remake then? The I haven't seen action? it, I can't, because I know it's going to be upsetting. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah, I've got it that bad for The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did go to, I lived in a house at uni with someone who would watch The Lion King like almost every day. Wow. Which is sort of pathological, maybe. That's a little but, bit, yeah. yeah, so you haven't got a deep. James, what film makes you cry? I think it's it's a wonderful life. That, mm. yes. I know it's a bit of a cheese fest, but yeah, there's some scenes in that which really hit home. Yeah. I would agree with you there. It's acts of kindness in mm. a film will always get me. Uh mine is definitely stand by me. Mm. Him typing on the computer at the end. I've never had any friends like I did when I was twelve. Jesus, does anyone? <gasps> oh my That's god. A great line. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god. That made me cry. Even when I probably was twelve. I don't know why I was so nostalgic when I saw it. <laughs> anyway, um, is there a film that you pretended to like to fit in or impress someone? Tricky question. I can remember this one. Um, Primer. Has anyone seen <gasps> okay, that? yeah, Primer, the time travel indie mad film. And I'm not saying it's a bad film. I, I pretended to understand it is a better. Okay. Yeah, it's very, I was very lost, but <laughs> nodded along with the intelligent conversation of my mates afterwards. Yeah. Okay. So this is probably going to be um, controversial, but it's actually, it's a wonderful life because I just don't, mm. right. like, because I hadn't seen it for years and years, even though like it's a massive Christmas film. And then I went to the electric to see it one year and I was just like, this is really depressing. It is. Like, yeah. it's like a really depressing Christmas film. And like, I just didn't, I don't know, I just wasn't that sold on it and then like I kind of was like yeah that's lovely afterwards even because I was just trying to get into the Christmas spirit and actually no I, I don't think it is that good a film I'm just gonna come out and say it no fair <laughs> enough so not even a Drummer Stewart could uh no. where you are you want a moon Mary <laughs> I must admit it's it's not aged brilliantly either no. there's some incredible bits of sexism in that yeah film. that might have been yeah a, mo- a, too mo- a too modern of... lens I was taking to it perhaps what, yeah. what's the worst possible thing that could happen to a woman but to become an old maid I think is one of the key <laughs> yeah. scenes right. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> what is a film that looked absolutely rubbish when it came out but it actually turned out to be pretty good you got I've got an answer it's, I can't remember if I'm gonna recall the full name but Spider-Man spider University. I was gonna say the same thing like yeah because yeah. like the trailer and the advertising for it had like the cartoon Spider-Man and then all the different realms. I mean, I don't know if they're realms, but you know what I mean, the, the Spider-Man, including a pig. And Spider-Pig, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, this isn't going to work. And we watched it and I absolutely loved it. It was amazing. And I'm, I've, I quite like superiors, but I've never got on with Spider-Man. It's just not, it's, I haven't enjoyed any of the films. So I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it, actually. 
That's a good shout. What's it called? Spider-Man? Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. That's it. And yeah. I know because that was, a, that was the answer I was going to give. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Good yeah. shout. 100% the same, yeah. Uh, mine's The Social Network. Oh, um, yeah. I've not seen it. I remember them saying there's going to be a film about Facebook and I thought there's nothing more dull than yeah. that and it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, what film did they get wrong and how would you have fixed it? Harris, mm. I racked my brain about this one, and I've come up with an answer, not very um, interesting one. Is the is the the girl on the train, and purely because I read it and I quite enjoyed reading it. It was like a thriller. It was quite like you got through it quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And then the film they set in America, and I just can't get on with people commuting via the train in America, mm. like because I don't <laughs> I don't believe they do that, and. Um, I just didn't feel it worked. The whole kind of premise of her commuting, pretending to commute and drinking and all that outside, taking it outside of London, I think really messed the the plot up for me. Right. Um, that's interesting because I've, I, until now, I'd never read High Fidelity and I'm reading it at the moment and it's based in London, mm. but I know that everybody loves the John Cusack film and that is an American film mm. and I haven't seen it. But I'm thinking, how's this going to work? Oh, it's such a it's such a British book. Yeah, mm. it is, isn't it? But I really like the film, but I've not read the book, so okay. it'd be interesting Same. to see what you yeah. think. Yeah, I'll let you know, James. Um, I'm going to say a trilogy, um, which is the Hobbit trilogy. Um, You've got a bee in your bonnet. About I've got this, a massive bee in my bonnet. So, <laughs> what would I do differently? I I would literally do what I did, which was <laughs> illegally burn it and re-edit it. Um, but. <laughs> It could be two films rather than three, and there's lots of things that could be cut. I won't say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> did TED Talk coming along on that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was yeah. going to say, I feel like that's a whole podcast in itself. I've got the slides ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm sort of almost at the same level with the Simpsons movie. Uh-huh. I'm a huge Simpsons fan, but I have to caveat that with uh, seasons one to eight. Classic. Thank you very yeah, much. And the movie, I just thought they got absolutely wrong. Uh, Mr. Burns wasn't the villain. I don't, don't, don't know why he wasn't the villain. McBain wasn't the president. It was actually Arnold Schwarzenegger. But McBain has always been a parody stand-in for Arnold Schwarzenegger. So why was it Arnold Schwarzenegger... It was all over the shop. It wasn't really funny. So they didn't stick with a formula that works? No. it was, mm. And it's... I mean... To be fair, The Simpsons had been rubbish for 20 years up until that point. So it was a lost cause anyway. Mm. But the way they could have fixed it was what they were originally going to do, which was, do you remember the Camp Krusty episode? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was going to be the film years oh, ago no in the 90s. And also Who Shot Mr. Burns, the two-part episode, oh, classic. was going to yeah. be a movie. So that's what they could have done. So there. <laughs> a film you used to love... But you revisited it recently and it's not actually that great. The original June. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because mm. I loved it when I was young and I thought it was like groundbreaking and then rewatched it. And obviously it's hard because special effects don't always age very well. But some of the, the way the narrative was delivered and like the plot line like shoved a bit down your throat. And yeah, I, re- I realized it's quite flawed. I mean, I still. To some extent, I still enjoy it. Like, who doesn't enjoy Sting a little bit? But yeah, <laughs> there's a particular bit of Sting in that film, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> but it, I don't think it's aged well. So, and then obviously with the new one, kind of makes you realise the material's so good. It's a, mm. it, the the original film could have been better. Okay, 
Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know it does have a big cult following, doesn't it? Mm. I think a lot of people forgive its flaws. Harris mm. isn't ready to do that yet. Not ready, no. <laughs> James? Um, it's quite a recent one, to be fair. Well, it's probably not as recent as I think it is, but the third Christopher Nolan Batman film, The Dark yeah. Knight Rises. So I think I watched that and it kind of, I kind of gave maybe the 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 glow from the previous two films made me see for its flaws a little bit and I thought oh what a brilliant ending and then I've I've watched it again quite recently and really couldn't get into it at all yeah it just I don't know it doesn't really seem to to go to any interesting new places and it's a bit too long a few too many too new characters in it mm. what film scares you I so I went for the film that scared me the most the first time I saw it which was Alien because I watched that really young and it's just like proper jump scare and and also, I, I thought, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Alien, but I thought the big twist would be the alien popping out of John Hurt's stomach, but actually, uh, Ian Holm being a robot, that yeah. really didn't see that coming, and that was really freaky, some of that. Laris, what are you scared of? So, it's not really a scary movie, and it's probably a bit embarrassing, but has anyone seen Tremors? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it as a <laughs> child, like a young child, and the worm things really scared me (laughs) to the point where I was convinced that Tremors was a scary film and then I saw it a few years ago and I was like oh god that's embarrassing because it's basically (laughs) a spoof isn't it a Kevin Bacon spoof (laughs) so yeah it's a bit of an embarrassing one and also the mummy those scallop beetles that go inside the skin oh yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah that that imagery stayed with me for a long time so it's more like the idea of a horrible thing in a film rather than a film that I find Mm. scary so considering Tremors has the worm things that scared you, how did you mm. get on with the latest June? I'm fine with them. So it must have just been like, they're not even very realistic, are they, in Tremors? <laughs> but I was literally convinced that even if I was in the car, they'd be able to suck me down as a child. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and finally, what film makes you laugh? Hot Fuzz, I think. Mm, good that's a good one. Yeah, um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Had to get a chick flick in there. I just think it, it is really <laughs> good. Film, yeah. And I'm not really a chick flick person, but I, I just think it, that captures like high school and the comedy in Shakespeare really well. So, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus Heath Ledger. Exactly. I wasn't going to say that, but Heath what Ledger. A dream boat. Yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah. hello. Could watch him every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Hopefully, people now have a better idea of who we are. James hates the Hobbit. Karis is scared by... I'm not sure I came across very well in this, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Karis doesn't know anything about films. Like, it's nice Disney. (laughs) So how'd you become such a hotshot actor? I'm a showman. It's my calling. I don't know how to do anything else. It's what I'm meant to do. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I've been a song and dance Come man. Come on. Ever since you were a kid. Song and dance man. Where are your parents? June's Friday feature was Licorice Pizza, a film that contained neither licorice nor pizza, but we'll come on to that in a minute. For those of you that missed it, Licorice Pizza is a coming-of-age comedy drama set in 1973 in which Gary, played by Cooper Hoffman, meets and attempts to woo Alana, played by Alana Heim of the band Heim. The film then unfolds in a series of vignettes in which Gary and Alana run, literally, around San Fernando Valley, 
starting various businesses, falling for each other, falling for other people, running a bit more and reversing a lorry down a hill. And if that sounds a bit disjointed, that's because it kind of is. Licorice Pizza isn't really too concerned with plot. It's more of a slice of life movie where you get to hang out with these characters for a couple of hours. It was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, the director of Magnolia, Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood, The Master and Phantom Thread. It was nominated for a bunch of Oscars last year and it won a BAFTA for Best Original Screenplay. So, James, Licorice Pizza, how was it for you? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't love it. So I, I went to see it at the cinema whenever it came out. And it's a very anxiety, stressful watch, I found. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I came to it again thinking, oh, it'd be really good to sort of sit back and sort of soak it all in. And I still found it quite jarring. A lot of the things you just mentioned, the disjointedness. Mm. I, I, I kind of liked the portrayal of the characters, but then didn't really like any of the characters, especially. I found it quite hard to relate, I guess, to their experiences. In fact, one of those films is very much made by a Hollywood director about their experiences growing up in Hollywood, which is very outside of my experiences growing up in South yeah. Bendonsey. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, it was it was a, what, a great film, maybe, but like not one that I particularly enjoyed. Okay, fair enough. Clarice? Yeah, I think that's probably quite a good summary. I found it disjointed is the word that I wrote down um, in terms of kind of my overall summary. I enjoyed the running scenes. Yeah, I thought they were really good fun. I found Gary a bit overly cocky, um, and they perhaps didn't show enough of his vulnerability for to warm to him completely. Mm-hmm. It was like a love letter to a world that I don't, I don't really know that that yeah. well. So that was perhaps why I didn't take as much from it as others. And also, I went in with really high expectations because. I really liked the trailer. I'd read quite a few good reviews. It, I thought it was going to be like quite summery and breezy and a bit, maybe a bit sexy for want of a better word. And it kind of, it wasn't, was it? So no. yeah, I think kind of missed the mark a little bit for me. I'm not sure I'd revisit it really. It's interesting you say that because I feel like I need to revisit it because going in, I was watching all of the things happen and that one thing would just get abandoned and then they'd go and do another thing. And I was desperately holding on to some kind of thread. And I was like, come on, where is this going? And it isn't going anywhere. So I think if you know that going in, you can just sort of relax yeah. and hang out with these people and enjoy the ride. So I think on a second viewing, I might enjoy it a bit more because I'm just like, okay, this thing happens and now this thing happens and now... Bradley Cooper's going mental. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a highlight, I think. That and the reversing scene. Right? No, yeah, the reversing really the van scene's really good. There are some really good snippets in it, but I perhaps I just didn't feel that they had a good enough chemistry to carry the whole film because basically the premise is will they, won't they? And I didn't feel kind of that I cared that much about whether they got right. together or not. Mm. I thought the performances were brilliant actually i thought mm. they were really really good actors yeah given the fact was it both their first feature films mm. yeah no yeah, they were yeah. good actually thought they were really good it looked beautiful the soundtrack is lovely and johnny greenwood's score is great as well yeah it's just has all the right elements it just kind of was like a bunch of things and i think when you know that it's based on some anecdotes that paul thomas anderson was told by his friend who was called Gary something. 
he was a child actor like Gary in the film and he would say to Paul Thomas Anderson did I ever tell you about the time I got arrested for murder and then he'd go off on this spiel about that and then that is in the film they're at this sort of teenage convention selling waterbeds suddenly the police bust in and arrest him for murder it's like what the hell is happening now yeah. and it's dropped within yeah, a couple it is, of scenes yeah. and then that's it? finished yeah, 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 yeah that's done with yeah. yeah odd the other thing is and so the first time I saw it I went in being like licorice pizza what a weird name I don't know what that means does, does not get made clear I don't think no and soundtrack's good but music isn't a big feature of the film so much is it the characters no. don't really engage with the music it's not like there's a soundtrack to their relationship as such so given the title I've, I was perhaps expecting a bit more of um a focus on music actually so james just explain that then because the title refers to what so it's a slang term for a vinyl record apparently a licorice pizza which kind of i think there's like a famous cult um, record store somewhere in america called it as mm. well so maybe to a u.s audience it'd be a bit more obvious hmm. okay well that's what we thought of it we thought it was Odd, it odd is that yeah. an odd film? A bit stressful, I a bit found stress, <laughs> stressful, odd, disjointed film. Kind of liked it, kind of also didn't really like it. Frustrating, yeah, mm. frustrating film. That's what we thought of it. Um, but what did our audience think of it? I sound like still a black or something. <laughs> um, I caught up with Carl and Megan as the credits rolled. Here's what they thought it was weird because they 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 teased the out the ending for quite a lot of the movie how like there's different opportunities throughout the whole movie where you thought they're gonna do something together and they did at the end but then you were saying so i think a re- I, it's a film i would like but then the whole time you're like it's grooming it's grooming but like she's grooming him and the whole time you're like i don't want to like condone this because she is grooming him the whole way even though he's like going for it but if it was the other way around, if it was a guy grooming a girl, you'd be like, this is disgusting. But you're kind of playing with it the whole time. And yeah, like I enjoyed it kind of. I was confused. It was the, the blokes were obviously all over uh, Alana. And, and everyone's like, Ugh. And then she was slowly, I don't know, I don't know if she was, maybe she was, I don't know, was she good? She was grooming it. Yeah, it was just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but quite funny at the same time. So you're like enjoying it the whole time, but you're like, I shouldn't be enjoying this. Like, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, Carl's not too sure. So there's a bit of a question mark there over whether or not Alana is grooming Gary. What are your thoughts? Is Paul Thomas Anderson poking the audience? What do you reckon, Karis? Yeah, I didn't feel that it was anything that deliberate, I guess. He needed to be that young because he was a child actor and he's kind of a bit of a happy-go-lucky try-it lad, isn't he, I suppose. And the, she needs to be older because the point is she's like this lost lady who doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. So I guess they needed that age gap to make that point work between them. So I didn't, it didn't make me uneasy, but it's a good question as to whether if it was reversed it would make me uncomfortable. But I suppose she then goes for drinks with an older man, doesn't she? And kind of, so it is a bit of a theme, I guess, in the film. And she makes him jealous by going with a girl his age. And so the age thing is clearly a theme. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm not sure I I necessarily know exactly what I feel about it. Mm. I mean, how long Uh, do you think 
the passage of time was in the film because they start 15 and 25 and quite a lot happens. Is that meant to all have been one year or? Not sure. It kind of felt to me like it was a summer, but mm. I don't I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Very difficult to say, isn't it? Because I mean, because like you say, there, there seemed to have been times where they hadn't even spoken to each other for an extended period or yeah. something. And so there must have been at least months. Would Between it, those parts. Yeah, but, yeah. Would it be less weird if they'd known each other for quite a few years and he was like, you know, 17, for example, when they get together, that makes, mm. does that make it more comfortable and less groomy? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I, I have to admit, I didn't really think about it that much until Megan brought it up there. But I think Paul Thomas Anderson does like to provoke the audience a little bit. I'm only off the top of my head, there will be blood. Mm. You love Daniel Plainview. I think he's such a brilliant character. But he is a murdering psychopath. Yeah. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? No, like Streisand. Sand. Streisand. Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. So was it a thumbs up or thumbs down from Carl and Megan? Let's see what they said. Would they recommend it? Yeah, well, I wouldn't tell people not to go and watch it. I'd be like, go and watch it and see what you think. Mm, bit of a non-committal answer there from Megan. Uh, I just had one final question for them both. As you may or may not know, Sturchley Open Cinema is BYOB and bring your own grub. And I was really interested in their pizza boxes. What pizzas did you get? <laughs> I got um, from Alicia's Bakehouse and it was some meat and cheese thing that was delicious. I got f- uh, from the recently opened Larry's Pizza, I got a tofu mushroom, it's called the fungi. It's pretty, it's pretty good, I liked it. It's probably strong taste in there, but I enjoyed that. <laughs> and what were your choice of beers? I went for cider, I had fruity ciders. Yeah. And I picked up Sierra Nevada from Morrison's. <laughs> for a classy couple. <laughs> That was classy couple Carl and Megan from Bourneville. Thanks for talking to us. Well, that was June's screening. James, what film did we successfully screen in July? No film. (laughs) We tried to put on Parallel Mothers. The recent heatwave buckled our... Blinds, I think, in the cinema. We won't be able to put it on. So we're scrambling for a rescheduled viewing of that. Which is currently might happen. Might yeah, happen. we've been chatting to a local um, co working space, the old post office in Sturgeley, and they might be able to put it on for us. So watch this space. Watch this co working space. Nice. If you were one of the people that bought tickets for Parallel Mothers and then we cancelled on you, thank you very much for understanding and thank you for your patience. As we said, the rescheduling is underway. Keep your eyes peeled on socials. Uh, In the meantime, for the rest of you, if you're thinking Parallel Mothers, what's this all about? Who the hell is Pedro Almodovar? I spoke to this man. Hello, Sturgley. Uh, I'm Paul Salt. I am the film critic for Screen Mayhem and co-host of One Good Thing podcast, Jen and the Film Critic, and I appear on Quest Fantastic. Paul was kind enough to talk to me about Parallel Mothers And I started by asking him, who the hell is this Pedro Almodovar and why is he so special? 
Pedro Almodovar is a very uh, long-working film director who's, um, I think, been active since the 70s even, who is just an exceptional talent when it comes to Spanish cinema and just cinema in general. He has made a lot of films to the point that it can be a slightly intimidating prospect breaking into his uh, filmography. Nevertheless, he is absolutely at the height of his powers at the moment. He has this very idiosyncratic style, which is entirely his own, which is just immediately recognizable. These bright colors and, and, and wonderful framing with just incredible attention to detail in all of his spaces that just bespeak a man who likes to think about the lives of his characters. And watching his movies just feels like you are visiting those characters in their own spaces and experiencing a really authentic moment of their life, even as they contest with very unusual or contrived circumstances. Lo mío fue un accidente, pero estoy tan contenta. Lo mío también fue un accidente. Yo no me arrepiento, ¿eh? Yo sí. I think watching his early work, there are definite movies that I would consider to be my favorites of his, but watching a lot of his early stuff, like Live Flesh, Law of Desire, um, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, you might get the wrong impression of his more recent work because he used to be a lot bigger we might say in terms of um his sort of uh, camp uh, the camp factor of his movies um and the darkness of them however his um 21st century work and in particular his work with penelope cruz movies like volver and broken embraces and i'm so excited do much more accurately bespeak what he's all about now and actually i really did love his um most recent film before this which was uh, dolores y gloria pain and glory just an absolutely astounding work with um antonio banderas with whom he's worked before but oh my god there's something just incredibly lovely about that movie even though it's a movie that covers things like you know illness and drug addiction and you know forlorn lost love um and the difficulty of love and all of these things and, you know, all of these tragedies that are in there, there's just something so beautiful about it to the point where it is never a drag to watch that movie or indeed any of his movies. You're always just absolutely propelled along by how beautiful the world is, by how utterly relatable and fantastic the characters are. And yeah, just a general sense of it being a space that you want to continue to occupy. So I think Dolores y Gloria is a good starting point for this. If you want something shorter, there is, of course, um, The Human Voice, his uh, recent short film starring Tilda Swinton, which shows off his style, his thematic concerns, but is a bit more of a sort of overtly stylistic endeavor than a lot of his recent films have been. There was a time... When I waited for you, and you always came back, until three days ago. It can be tricky to talk about the plot to Paolo Mothers, um, because it's so delightful, the twists and turns it takes, and so gut-wrenching as well. You don't want to take too much off the table in that in, in that regard. However, it is broadly speaking a movie about two mothers, Penelope Cruz playing um, Janice and uh, Melina Smith playing Anna, and they meet each other whilst giving birth um, under very different circumstances. Um, however, they are both uh, going it alone with support from people in their lives. However, the um, fathers are very much out of the picture. 
in neither circumstance is that proving too much of an obstacle for the mothers. Um, however, they meet, they have this um, interaction, and it cements the kind of early foundations for a friendship that later on gets explored and developed further after there is an unexpected development uh, for them. The film is absolutely worth seeing simply because it does have all of those strengths that Almodovar has and just, again, at the height of its power. The the way in which he establishes familiar spaces in which you get to see Janice's apartment over and over again and the little cafe on the corner and Anna's mother's house. We just revisit these spaces and come to know them and enjoy being in them. It just creates a really immersive world that you just want to spend time in. And then that is inhabited by these wonderful characters. Penelope Cruz has always been fantastic in Almodovar films. I really love her in Pain and Glory, where she plays um, uh, Banderas' mother in flashback sequences. This woman who's sort of forced to occupy a cave with her child because there's no other accommodation available. Gorgeous cave that you just want to live in yourself in spite of its issues. Te hago una tortilla de patata de esas que te gustan a ti. Guapo. Yo no quiero ser cura. No hace falta que lo seas. Entonces, ¿por qué quieres que vaya a un seminario? Pues porque para los pobres no hay otro modo de estudiar. Por eso. You've got Cruz in this space. You've got uh, Melina Schmidt as the very charming, slightly messy and hectic younger woman who is doing her best to sort of live with the circumstances she is in. You've got uh, Israel. Oh, God. Alialde, I want to say Israel Alialde as Alturo, who is this fabulous uh, presence. I just love his voice. I could listen to Arturo and Janice speak just for forever. They have these wonderful deep registers and this, you know, rolling sort of Spanish tongue, and it just it's just wonderful to hear them talk. La Fundación ha decidido abrir vuestra fosa este verano, en julio. Que vais a abrir nuestra fosa, pero eso es en tres meses. Te lo comunicará oficialmente el patronato si me das un número de teléfono donde localizarte. What's lovely about the drama of Elmer Devar in general is that it's never beyond humanity. No matter how difficult the situation is, no matter how messy emotionally, it's never, at least recently, anything that the characters can't talk about. They're two likable human beings, so even when they start acting unreasonably towards each other, there will be a coming together later on, you can just feel, because ultimately... These are human beings. Almodovar is working with his um, cinematographer, Jose Luis Alcane, and once again, just realizing this incredible photography, which is so focused on the human whilst also very much making them a part of the places they're in. Music by the great Alberto Iglesias. It's just, yeah, a wonderful sort of guitar sound um, with occasional piano. It's just very poignant, uh, very rich score. Yeah, it's just, it's firing on all cylinders, this film. It really is just a lovely film to just watch and spend time in. Big thank you to Paul Salt for chatting to us. You can find links to his film reviews and his podcasts in the show notes. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you, Karis. Thank you. Thanks, James. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow the podcast wherever you're listening now. And a new episode will pop up in your feed every month. I've just committed 
to a monthly podcast there. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I, I guess... Well, it gets us out of the house, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, us, not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, and if you have a moment, why not leave a review if you're able to, or perhaps tell a friend about the podcast or share a link on social media. It would really help spread the word. We'd really appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for listening. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hello, it's Chris again, popping up for a little post-credit sequence. Since recording this episode, we have actually now secured a location for our rescheduled screening of Parallel Mothers. The new date is Tuesday, the 23rd of August. It's going to be at the old post office co-working space up on the Pershall Road. Doors open at 6.30. Film starts at 7. Tickets are available on our website. I'll stick a link in the podcast description. We'll see you there. Cheers.